Cleveland Browns, their loss to the Cincinnati Bengals this last weekend. What we saw, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there was, there was some ugly. Uh, and we will talk about what this, this loss means for this season and what it does for our expectations moving forward. So thanks for tuning in, everybody, the OBR on this Monday night. Joining me, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me online on Twitter at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me, first, he is the legend. He's got the shades on early tonight, although I think this time it's not because we got to be, like, super pumped up about anything. But we'll get into that. Uh, you can find him online at Fred Greetham 9 It's Fred Greetham. What's going on, Fred? Hi, guys. Good to see you. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's just get this over with. I know. I like this comment in the uh, super surge in the comments. Do we have to, do we have to, do we have to do this this week? But then he said, thank goodness for the streams you and the rest of the OBR put on. We appreciate you super surge. So Fred's here. We're going to get into, into what he saw and what he heard from, uh, from the players and the coaches uh, after this loss. And then we've also got, find him online at Cody Sook. It's Cody Sook. What's going on, Cody? I don't man. Pleasure oh. to be here. You know, talking about the Browns again. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's always fun. It's always fun. Don't get me wrong. It's always fun. Sometimes it's just more fun. We need to talk after a win. It just hasn't been that common this year, unfortunately. Other times you need like a good solid two-finger pour of bourbon, and then you can just sit down, relax, and talk about the Cleveland Browns, right? Like kind of you got there. This is a two-pour, a two-finger pour kind of night. This is uh just the Evan Williams bottled and bought. Classic. Just, Can't go wrong. A, a delicious hey, I want to spend 30 bucks on the largest jug of bourbon I can find kind of bourbon, and it's still delicious. So that's what it we're, does the what trick. It gets you to the same place you're trying to go as, Fred, your, as your $60 bottle. Does Fred have the classic uh, aged vintage Fred water tonight? Yes, I do. Lovely. <laughs> hey, Cody, what the nice. hell was that? That was water, man. That was nice. just water. All right. um, well, this is problematic. It's a problematic start. Yeah, it's not my finest performance. I realized that. I was at uh, Deep Creek Lake in Maryland all weekend um, with a fair amount of beverages. Fair. So I'm taking it easy this evening, you know? It's fair. It's very uh, fair. So we're going to go to the water. I'm going to join Fred in the, in, the, in the glorious natural springs of the finest mountains of, of, of this country this evening. And uh, we'll, leave the, we'll leave the Evan Williams to you, you know? Love that. Hey, Paul's getting shouts out in the comments. We want to give him a shout out too. Paul Spencer subscribed for 17 months in a row. Our buddy, Paul Spencer, uh, always doing it up big, big, even though he gives, gives me specifically a very hard time on Twitter, but I appreciate him for that. Uh, and he keeps, he keeps my, my feet to the fire and I appreciate that. So well done, Paul Spencer, 17 months in a row. Before we dive into this game, just a couple of procedural things. Reminder, first of all, if you're not subscribed, like Paul Spencer, 17 months in a row, if you haven't done your first month, get uh, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you are subscribed to the OBR, whether you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube here tonight, make sure you're subscribed as well as make sure you are subscribed to the OBR's uh, website uh, as well, where you're going to get the best writing for the Cleveland Browns. And then here on the OBR streaming network, again, we're coming at you hard five nights or days a week with Browns coverage. Uh, you have got uh, the best Browns coverage happens right here on the OBR. Make sure you are tuned in. Uh, and as well, if you're joining us here live tonight, make sure you're active in the comments. It's already going. Uh, Kokomo over here has got a rum and Coke. So you know what? Cheers to you, Kokomo. Cheers to you. Uh, make sure you're active in the comments. We'll pull your comments in. We'll make you a part of the discussion here live tonight. We really, really appreciate everybody joining us live here tonight. So uh, guys, let's talk about it. Yesterday, the Cleveland Browns in a pivotal game, in a in a game they had to show up for, right? Uh, that's just kind of what it felt like from the start. They had to show up for that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. 
And early in the game, defensively, man, did they show up. The, the Cincinnati Bengals just unable to get anything going. And it looked like it was going to be the same story that we've seen against the Cincinnati Bengals recently, where the Bengals weren't able to get anything going. Deshaun Watson hitting some passes, looking pretty good early on, drives the ball down the field. They get into a fourth and one, well into field goal range. And Kevin Stefanski brings out Jacoby Brissett, who lofts the ball into the end zone for Donovan Peoples-Jones about three yards too far for Peoples-Jones to catch it. And, it. and it just felt like the game wasn't the same from there. The offense never really got going until later in the game. Uh, and you you just let the Cincinnati Bengals, they struggled and they struggled and they struggled until they didn't struggle anymore. And the Bengals scored some quick touchdowns. They beat the Browns 23-10. to 10. Fred, some initial thoughts after that game, after we've kind of sat on it for more than 24 hours. What are the lingering things in your head about that game? Well, I think there there was <clears throat> two two key points in the game, in my opinion, and one you just referenced. What I didn't hear anybody talking about much was just before that fourth and one play, there was a third and one play that went nowhere, but I yeah. think it was second down. Deshaun Watson took off running, and he dove, yes. to me, looked yes. like for a first down. And it wasn't the typical slide. So I didn't understand why they moved him back when he dove head first. And Stefanski didn't say anything. They didn't challenge anything. They they were okay with third and one. And we know what happened. But that decision, I think, really backfired them, you know, on the fourth and one. You know, you get too cute. You keep bringing in Brissett when you say you're not going to because he's known for the quarterback sneak but we're not going to run the quarterback sneak because everybody thinks he's going to run the quarterback sneak. So we're going to run a reverse with Harrison Bryant. Okay. That worked against the Texans. This time he has a cold Jacoby Brissett to throw the bomb, you know, or the deep ball. And, you know, even, even if you're in sync, usually those are a bang, bang thing. So I didn't understand it. Um, I understand he wanted a touchdown, but you would just stop the Bengals. You take the lead, you know, in a game like that. Points have been hard-pressed. They only had uh, six offensive points in the first game, and one of those was set up on a fumble recovery on a punt in field goal range. So you had three points sitting there, and if you're going to go for it, let's be a little better with that t a higher percentage than throwing the deep ball. So I think that was a was a big uh, momentum swing and then the other one was deciding to try to block the punt Ugh. when you're going to get the ball midfield fourth and 16 deep in the Bengals territory and you send a guy and he and he does a, a brain dead move and runs into the kicker gives Joe Burrow who'd been struggling a first down and not only that they said you know Here's a personal foul on Isaiah Thomas yeah. on a sack. Let's eliminate that and give him another first down in 10 yards. And wait a minute, let's get a 33-yard pass interference penalty on Denzel Ward. You gave him 58 yards on penalties on that oh. play. And lo and behold, Joe Burrow got it together and got a touchdown, and the rest was history. Yeah, you brought up a couple things, Cody, uh, and, and I think these are, are great things to talk about. First of all, you're right, Fred. I was questioning that too, but it, well, we're going to talk about the coaching a little bit later, so I'm going to hold on to that because there's a difference between sliding and diving. 
if you dive and you're not touched, you can get up and keep running. Exactly. You're not down until you're down if you dive. If you slide, you're giving yourself up. They consider you down at the point at which you start your slide. They marked him on that dive where he started to dive. I'm with you on that, Fred. But again, somebody's got to see that and say, whoa, this is a big moment in this game. I feel like sometimes the Browns think we're just going to get a third and one or a fourth and one. And so they think, you know what? We don't need to challenge that because it's third and fourth and one. We'll get this. We'll pick it up. No big deal. Uh, and, and I agree. Cody, when it comes to that fourth down call, because it did feel pivotal. Because again, when the Bengals are struggling, you got to figure out a way to get some points on the board against them, even if it isn't, if it if it's not a touchdown, you got to get points on the board when they're sputtering. Uh, that play call, like, is there anything wrong with just running the fourth the the quarterback sneak? I know the other team is expecting it, but he's but he's good at it. And frankly, if you're not going to run the quarterback sneak and it's not going to be a gadget play like the one we saw to Harrison Bryant then if you're going to throw the ball deep, why do you not have just Deshaun Watson in there to do that? If you're going to, if you're going to have a big time throw needed by a big time player, why don't you have your big time player in there? Yeah, I think, I think the deep ball shot should have been on third and one. Yeah. That would have been what I would have taken that shot with Watson in there. The deep ball to DPJ Watson's finding himself a little bit during that point of the game. He's hitting some balls. I think I've had enough with the Jacoby stuff. I know he's been great at the QB sneaks, but those fell off when Pochick is no longer in the lineup. We saw those yes. fail a few times uh, once he came out of the lineup with a lot of other fails with the offensive line. So I don't, I think that needs to be done. And I know that like Fred had mentioned the reverse Harrison Bryant was a great play call. He converts that pass yesterday. All of a sudden that's a great play call if that's complete. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I think you leave Watson. If you want to do that play DPJ was open. Just you bring in a guy that hasn't thrown a ball yet into the game to try to complete that pass when you should have done it on third down and maybe run the ball. But uh, I don't know. I'm done with the Jacoby stuff. Maybe I'm on the sideline. This was an injury or a blowout or something like that. I do think watching that, I thought he had the first down. I thought they were coming up. It was first down when he was going on to the next play. I was fairly certain that happened again later on in the game. I don't remember the exact play, but it looked like somebody got a first down. And all of a sudden, they're calling third down. Uh, but yeah, it's pivotal yesterday. Outside of the things Fred mentioned, I think you talk about three trips to the red zone. Yeah. Let's get one, one touchdown and three trips to the red zone, four trips deep inside the 35 to the 30 total, and you're still only scoring 10 points. You know, they have nobody to blame yesterday except for themselves with the penalties, with the failure in the red zone. They didn't have trouble moving the ball. We saw Watson yeah. start to get a little bit comfortable pushing the ball down the field. Running game didn't do squat, but he's making some plays with his legs and with his arm. You're getting deep inside their territory. You only come up with 10 points. I'm not saying kick a field goal by any means. I'm fine with going for the fourth downs, absolutely. But you got to get those points and you got to convert. Uh, I think the process is right on those play calls. It's just the results um, from that thought process are as desired right now. And to backtrack to the to the Tony Fields block punt, hmm. I mean, you're talking about getting the ball at your own 40 maybe at the worst because they're pinned back at that point. And that, that play was the highest uh, win probability swing in that game. It was a plus 10% win probability Jeez. win probability from 54% to 64% for the Bengals at that point. It just got worse on that drive. You got a third down. Every third and long, they're getting a third long, whether it's a penalty or whether it's just a completed pass. Um, so it's just, again, a team that can't get out of their own way and find a way to lose every single week. The Bengals, I felt like 
were trying to kind of give the Browns that game all the way At times throughout yesterday. They, it was right there. Even with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, you're down yes. 13. You got the ball, you're driving and you do nothing with it. It's just, it's very frustrating to watch um, and not be able to capitalize. They weren't blown out by any means. It, not In my opinion, they were not yesterday. It was there for the taking. They just couldn't take it. Well, and you brought up the end of the game, Cody. It, yeah, it was tough to watch the Bengals not capitalize on the Browns not capitalizing, and then the Browns not capitalizing. There's a whole bunch of not capitalizing. There's the Bengals out there putting all over the place. <clears throat> they hit that big trick play, obviously. They yeah. go down and kick field goals, but it's still keeping everything within two scores. I mean, it's a 13-point game there for a, a, a bit, uh, and, and the Browns just can't capitalize. Just They had the time to do it. They just couldn't do it. So let's talk about... For me, the big story, and it's something we talked about all day today behind the scenes, guys. For me, the big story is because we're going to get to the quarterback. We're going to get to the coaching. We're going to get to all that tonight. But let's start with what might be the most disturbing trend that's happening with the Cleveland Browns right now. The strength of the Cleveland Browns, the identity of the Cleveland Browns is that offensive line and that run game. And right now, this run game for several weeks has been mediocre at best at best and at times like yesterday borderline bad what's going on what's going on with this running game fred you hear the guys talking in the locker room what are they saying about the running game what are they saying about why they have the inability to get guys like nick chubb and kareem hunt going in these games well nobody's saying anything i mean brought that up to uh stefanski today <coughs> couple another reporter got a question before me. So I changed it more to about Michael Dunn, you know, that he's got to be an upgrade over Fraldi, the transition center. It just seems like, you know, nobody's saying, you know, we're, we're seeing on the comments in the film study that Conklin's not the same and Wyatt Teller's not playing the same. And we know uh, Wills has struggled that doesn't leave you with much, you know, and when they're, they really killed the offensive line were a big culprit in the penalties yesterday. They, they had back-to-back holding penalties on that one drive and, and a false start and just, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we thought Bill Callahan and had a unit and, and was a well-oiled machine and they're going right down every week. I know, even last year, they kind of fell off late in the season. So, again, it seems like your coaching has to adjust to what's being done to stop. If DJ Reader is the only reason that you can't run the ball, then maybe the Browns ought to go get a DJ Reader guy, you know, because, you know, it was like it was very frustrating to see Nick Chubb get 2.4 yards of carry and. I think as a team 2.8, you take oh. Watson out of there who was running well, they, they, it was even worse because he had 33 of the 71 yards. They, they were on pace for like a 40 yard rushing game. So they have to, they have to figure out what isn't meshing with, with Chubb and Hunt and the quarterback, or is it all on the offensive line? Well, you did a little foreshadowing, Fred. We actually pulled the video from that question. So why don't we bring that up now? Let's hear Kevin Stefanski's response to your question about the offensive line. Kevin, um, you know, you talked about the struggles offensive line recently. Is Michael Dunn a, uh, an option to come back this week? And if so, 
is he or other, do you see any other moves on the offensive line that you could try? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure yet on, on Michael. I know he's, he's getting better, uh, spending some time uh, getting better in rehab. Uh, we'll look at all those type of things, uh, Jeff, uh, Fred, but with this being, you know, a short week, we'll, we'll see who we have available to us uh, as this week progresses. Jeff, Fred. Jeff, Fred. I got a new name. I think he, <laughs> Jeff I think Fred. he thinks I'm Jeff Shadell or something today. Jeff Shadell, Fred. I mean, listen, first of all, it's a 21 hour. I don't know that I'm calling this a short week. It's 21 hours shorter than a normal week. <laughs> We're not even a full day shorter. It is a Saturday afternoon game. I think the short week thing is weird. Uh, Cody, first of all, uh, because I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit more, and this is kind of getting into that direction, but do we? nobody's going to like this question. Do we need to have a conversation about what's going on? Is it purely the offensive line's fault that the running game isn't getting going? Or are we seeing some issues with the running backs? I think it's a mixture of both, but I lean towards... Don't shoot me for that. I know in the comments, listen, don't shoot me for that, but I I mean, there's questions. No, it there. warrants the question. It warrants the question with the performance we've seen since the bye week specifically. And as Ian has pulled up our, our stats here, you're talking about the number one, number two rushing offense in the league up until till the bye. And now you come down, this is what's happened. 23rd in success rate. Success rate means the number of rushes that are generating positive EPA. 24th in EPA per rush. So they're not they're not efficient and they're not effective at all right now. Chubb, 26 PFF grade. But I think it comes down to, when you look at that bottom line, Chubb's still third in missed tackles, but he's 25th in YPA. So that tells me that the, that the once dominant Browns offensive line has taken a huge step back. I think John Costco, formerly a PFF, tweeted yesterday that the Browns have the second lowest graded offensive line since week nine. So we, we've seen some pretty big failures across the board up front there. Outside of Joel Petonio, I think he is the one of those five that's pretty consistent every week, given full effort, making plays. Outside of that, Conklin's taken a huge step back from injuries. Teller injuries have hampered him. Uh, you're on your third, fourth center, hitting there. We know what's going on with Wills on the left side with, with the effort problems. Uh, I lean towards it being somebody's 80-20, somewhere around there, 80-20, 75-25, O-line versus, versus the running backs right now. It's not like Chubb just lost his talent. No. You know, he didn't go from a dominated, best, dominating best running back in football to just average overnight. That didn't but what about, the, what about the play calling? Because it does seem like, listen, it does seem like there is a difference when you line Nick Chubb. You know, I, I think the average casual Browns fan is watching these games going, man, when they put Nick Chubb kind of in the single back, and they put Deshaun Watson under center, and he turns and gives Nick Chubb the ball. The success rate looks like it's higher than a lot of these kind of slower-developing shotgun runs. I know they're trying to implement kind of that, that read option type deal going in, but is is it just the fact that that's going to take a minute for that to gel? You're trying to run a read option-style offense in an offense that hasn't really done that uh, very much? Well, I think part of it, when you, when you run those stretch runs, okay, you're trying to use Chubb's patience and his vision – to feel it out, feel it out, then hit the hole, you know, type thing. But the problem is when you have the second level guys coming full force downhill towards yeah. the offensive line, or they're going both, they're going both, both into the A gap, and you can't have a center to stop anybody. Uh, you don't have time for those stretch type runs to develop, and he's getting crushed. Other than negative plays, Jake mentioned yesterday, I don't remember the top of the head, 
off the top of my head, but the Browns are top five, six, seven in negative, and the percentage of runs that have gone for a negative gains uh, since the buyer and season in total, somewhere around there. So not where you want to be uh, in this case. So I think maybe play cons playing to part of it. Uh, generally speaking, shotgun runs are very efficient and very successful. But I think something you mentioned needs to be discussed as well is that this offense in total is doing a lot of things that they haven't done all all year. Right. Over these last two weeks with the read options, the RPOs, uh, some, some of the different types of runs they're trying to do. And that's going to take time. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to have patience. I, know. I get it, man. You pay a guy $230 million, the offense is top 10, and he takes over, and now they've scored one touchdown in eight quarters. I get it. But it's going to take time because you're running a blended offense now, not just the play, boot, action, wide zone, run. Now you're bringing in all these other wrinkles that the line hasn't prepared to block for for weeks. Uh, the receivers haven't timed up with the quarterback yet. Uh, the running backs haven't really run that style for a small percentage of these runs. It's going to take time, and, and it gives patience. And I know everybody wants to fire the head coach immediately when they lose a the game, but um, like you've got to take a step back and see what's really happening right now, even though things aren't going as well as they should be right now. Fred, talk about the tackles with me for a minute, because I think you know what, what Cody just said about the offensive line. Listen, you are on the backup to the backup to the backup center. There's not much you're going to be able to do about that. Uh, you know, you got Froholt out there just trying to do his best, basically, and he's doing an admirable, admirable job. I don't find that there's a an effort issue with the three interior guys because I think the Wyatt Teller issue is more injury driven than effort. I think he's still throwing his body around like anybody out there. I think Wyatt Teller plays with a tremendous amount of effort. I think Joe Batonio is is probably the best left guard in all of football still. But you got these two guys on the outside, and, and a lot of people think those tackle positions, they understand how essential those positions are. You're watching tape week after week, Fred, of Jed Wills missing a block and then standing there and watching the guy that he missed instead of maybe picking up the next guy or helping out. And you're looking at just a rapid deterioration on the right side. How do they fix those tackles? Is it Can they fix it with coaching or or – or does this need to be looking heavy into offensive line uh, in the offseason as well? Well, it is. You know, it's discouraging, I think, because you felt like <clears throat> you had one of the best lines in the football within the last year or two. And you thought, for the most part, you know, when you had the signing of Conklin, he was exactly what you needed. Yeah. The pro bowler and all pro. And I think that he had two major injuries last year. And I think that, you know, has has caught up with him. And I just don't know where you go. If if Hudson, if he that was kind of my question today to Stefanski, if the season's basically on over, why not try somebody else and see what you have, you know, like with Michael Dunn or even Hudson at tackle? Because if you have to get a new left tackle, then that's a major, major acquisition. You don't have yeah. a first round pick and if you have to replace both tackles you know there you go you've got you know even if you say well let's put wills over to right tackle that still doesn't solve that creates a big hole at the left tackle so i don't know you think bill callahan's one of the best in the business you would think that he handpicked wills over some of those other guys that have done well so either he's off or they're not following his directions or the browns have a problem i have a feeling they have some younger guys that they like but I don't know I don't know if 
if it's time to move on. They they seem to not make changes, and I almost I don't think they're going to make any changes with Conklin. You know, you know, let him play out the season. That's just kind of how things go. But I don't know what the answer is. But it's a big it's a big question mark, and that's why I said why these four games are. You know, I said six. But now with four, why they're so important? Because you have no draft picks. You have to attract free agents other than trades. So you have to get somebody that wants to come here that's a top flight free agent on defense or on the offensive line that wants to play with Watson because they see the potential of this offense. But so far, averaging eight points a game isn't going to do it. So, you know. That's why I think this is so important. These next few games get it figured out. You were kind of built with the idea of an explosive offense under Stefanski. And right now you're seeing not a whole lot. I think I was kind of something something real quick there. I think at minimum, you're replacing 20% of the offensive line next year. Without a doubt, Conklin is gone. Uh, His contract's voided uh, due to his restructure earlier this year. So he's definitely gone. I don't think you move on from Wills. I, I don't no. think at this point. Uh, the alternative probably isn't any better. No. Possibility of moving him. Center comes down to, is it Ethan Pochick? Is, is, do you go back to Nick Harris? What do you do there? But the guy should uh, be here with center. Should be. Right. Yeah, so I think at minimum, you're probably replacing 20%. At most, you're probably doing 40%. But I, I don't see Teller or Batonio or no. Wills going anywhere. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but Conklin's just been... From all pro level, always top five in pass block win rate every single year. I think age and injuries just really cut up to him very quickly. Um, and he's just he's just an average guy now from, from what he used to be. And it's it's really hurting this team when you need all five of those guys on the same page at the same time doing the exactly what they're supposed to do for this game, for this style of offense to work. Cody Super Surge put a good comment in the questions I was going to direct it to you. It says, is any of this a learning curve for Kevin Stefanski calling an offense that's catered to kind of subpar quarterbacks? A little bit of a shot at Baker there, but okay. And obviously it's not meant to be a shot. I don't think of probably anybody, but Jacoby Brissett's been a backup. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we've seen what he's been uh, to now a quarterback that theoretically can do it all. Is there a learning curve there? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a learning curve on both sides of things. You have Deshaun Watson learning an offense on the fly. You know, he had a little bit of training camp. He had a little bit of practice. So he's learning this offense. And then you have this fancy on his side of things running his normal style of offense and adding in these wrinkles that we keep talking about. So there's a learning curve on both sides. And if you look at Stefanski, I mean, he had Kirk Cousins, right? Not a guy that runs. Not a guy that right. does RPO stuff. Not a guy that design runs. Not a guy that does all these types of plays. He does your standard Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield type of play action, boot action, passing, a little bit from the pockets type stuff. So I think it's definitely him trying to figure out how to use Watson. And we saw some of it this week. And it and we can't we can't expect this to be perfect right now. I don't think that's realistic to go at it that way. I think <laughs> it should be better than it is right now from both sides with Watson and Stefanski, but I think we saw a jump yesterday, a pretty sizable jump, I would say, in his not only production, but his play and the way Stefanski used him. For me, it just came down to capitalizing on those drives late in the game. That was the problem for me yesterday, 
was not getting points when he got down there. That was the biggest thing for me. Well, and 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 let's talk. So the next thing on the list here is is talking about that quarterback with the lack of any sort of rushing threat with a, an offensive line that is getting beat up all over the field. Deshaun Watson had to come out and be a playmaker. He had to come out and throw the ball a lot. 26 of 42. So about 62% throwing, 276 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh but is that is that kind of Fred is that kind of the next level in the prog- progression? We saw in the Houston game really the inability to kind of move the ball at all. Uh lots of just spiking the ball into the ground. <clears throat> lots of missed opportunities and he didn't really have to make a lot of plays because of the way that game went but here in this game much better at moving the ball much better at advancing the ball and making plays i mean he made a couple plays out there that were that's why you bring the guy in when especially late in that game that pass where he hit dpj where he had a defender draped on his legs and he was falling to the ground and he hit dpj like 20 yards down the field that was a great play uh, but the progression now is moving the ball which is what he did this week, but he wasn't able to capitalize on some of those drafts. Is that, did you see the progression? Let's let's kind of grade what we saw from week one to week two. Did you see the progression that you kind of wanted to see? Did he do enough in this game against the Bengals that makes you feel like, okay, things are starting to slow down for him a little bit. He's starting to look a little bit more like you're starting to see that guy that they want to see in Deshaun Watson. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> obviously you want it quicker. And what's so, um, you know, it's so ironic that the defense and special teams cost the Browns so heavily, you know, in the first 11 games. And he had the offense scoring 25 a game, 20, whatever, top 10. And so if you could just get the offense, you know, to, to the defense has now played that well the last two games, well enough to win but the offense can't get enough points. I'm very confident that that he'll be back to what he was, but it's it's just to me again ironic that they're willing to sacrifice the 22 season, you know, to to make sure he played, you know, all but these fourth and ones in the last two games, you know, and and I can't say I disagree with it, but it just seemed like you know, they again said today, Stefanski, that they felt he gave them the best chance to win. And whether that's just lip service or not, they were willing to do that at the expense of the 22 season, um, knowing that they're really just playing for next year. And I just, there's no question now the four games, by the end of this year, he better be playing. They better have figured out how to run this offense with Stefanski to show that they can put up the 30 to 40 points a game and really be a high-octane offense. If they are still just pedestrian and, and uh, kind of Baker Mayfield-esque offense or Jacoby Brissett offense and not explosive – then I don't know if Stefanski is the right coach for this team. Well, I think you bring up a couple questions. One, Fred, and, and and I think the first thing that I would ask is, is you know, you talked about sacrificing the 2022 season for the future by bringing Deshaun Watson in. The only thing that I might say to kind of disagree with that, Fred, is they were four and seven under Jacoby Brissett. So even even though he was playing okay, and even though the team was playing okay, they, they were four and seven. It's not, you know, it's not like he had them... It's not a 
it's not a situation like Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, where Brian Hoyer had him at like seven and four. And then you put Johnny Manziel in and they don't win another game this that year. Uh, they were four and seven. And, and oh, so I, I mean, I'm just saying that do you not think Brissett might have been better against the Texans if that game would have been in doubt to bring in in relief? Or even if – now, yesterday wasn't the problem, but if it would have been. If he would have been playing like the Texans game, Stefanski said he wasn't taking him out for any reason. And I'm just saying there's no question he's the quarterback. Right. But I'm saying like a relief pitcher, you got to get through this game. you got to win this game at all costs, no matter what. And then you can go back to him and, and let him play his way through it. You know, and so that was all I was saying. I mean, that they were willing to say if if the whole season's on the line with the Bengals game, it doesn't matter. We're going totally with Watson, even if it means we lose the game. Because if you'd have scored 25 points with Brissett, he put up 32 against them last time, you might have won the game. I don't know if you would have, but you might have. Cody, I'm going to swing it over to you. Do you expect this uh, it felt to me like a decent progression, right? It felt to me like, okay, Deshaun's out there making throws. And he made some, again, big-time throws. Made some big-time throws. Do you feel like the way he progressed from week one to week two is going to be indicative of how we can view Deshaun Watson for the rest of this season? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, the, the first game was definitely an F. I mean, that that was an F game. There's no doubt about that. I think yesterday was probably in the C, in the CC plus range. Uh, for me, some throws he definitely left out in there. You know, when he took a sack, he had a crosser, was wide open for an easy first down. Uh, the, the the deep over, um, I think that was that was Cooper or DPG. I can't remember what the deep over that was intercepted where he was late on the Just throw late. where DPG yeah. was open there. Um, so it, it is taking some time, you know, to get acclimated to the game speed things are going a little bit slow but you thought you saw him process a little bit faster yesterday and not just process a little bit faster I mean it's still slower than he wanted to be seeing that his eyes aren't seeing the field as well as you want to yet but I mean at least he wasn't throwing the ball into the dirt right I mean that happened a lot week one you know psychologically physically it was just a disaster he was an F performance undoubtedly and yesterday you saw some of those passes you think he could be making you saw him making plays with his run with his with his legs I think going from an F to a C to C plus was better. Um, I think it's going to keep getting better. Expectation for me was gradual, gradual increase through these last three weeks. We saw more than gradual for me yesterday out of him. I think that's reasonable to say. Uh, I wasn't as uncomfortable watching the offense yesterday as it was week one. Um, It wasn't as anxiety driven. I don't think for a lot of the fans necessarily. Uh, I think it was indicative of what he's going to be. Um, and there's little flashes that we've seen as little blips. And and then Fred talked about, Cody, I don't want to hear this. Fred talked about explosiveness. And again, I think you're starting to see Deshaun Watson can be explosive, but what is it, who does it say more about? Because the offense hasn't been explosive now for a couple weeks. They haven't had any explosive plays. Uh, who does that say more about? Does that say more about Deshaun Watson? Like yesterday's game. Were they not explosive because of Deshaun Watson? Or were they not explosive because the guys weren't explosive out there in yesterday's game? Well, more they're more so generating generating explosive plays on the ground than they have been through the air for the majority of the season. But that's gone. I mean, the explosive runs are they're kaput pretty much now. I don't see that improving the rest of the season, unfortunately, with the state the offensive line is in. And when you when you look at the explosive plays as well from yesterday, 
I think it's going to improve, but when you have a hampered Cooper, you know, he was on the snap count yesterday. He's injured. I think he said he injured his re-injured himself in the very first play when he caught that deep pass yeah. uh, f- f- from Watson there. So you have your best receiver by far injured for the game. Then you have DPJ, and then you have nothing. You know, you have Bell, doesn't make plays after the catch. You have Njoku does well. But strictly speaking of receivers, once Cooper's limited, very limited, um, and unable to get open and make the plays that you want him to be, then it's going to be tough to generate explosive plays because you generate those in a couple of ways when you do it passing-wise, throwing the ball downfield, and then you also have your yak, which is not getting any yak right now without Coop. So um, I think it'll improve. I think it'll improve drastically next year if, should, when they go out and get that speed receiver that they need, Elijah Moore-type guy, uh, to kind of take the top off of the defense uh, the guy they wanted Anthony Schwartz to be, but uh, that's not who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like the progression I saw from Deshaun Watson. Again, after what we saw, I think everybody's expectations had to hit the like hit the reset button after Week One. Going, okay, maybe two years off. It's going to take this guy a minute to get back into things. I like the progression. What I saw, that's a that's a it's not an easy team to play. Uh, first division game. I would like to see him capitalize on some of those drives. And he was there. He was close, even right at the end. Uh, I know people didn't like that play call, the fade route to the end zone to DPJ, but DPJ had a chance to go up and get that ball, and he did, didn't high point that ball and bring it in. Can we uh, talk about that play? We will. I think I think those yes. two plays, those two plays back-to-back. Deshaun, on the first play, just missed Amari Cooper. That ball was fingertips away from being an outstanding throw. Uh, it, it went off of Cooper's fingertips. And then go ahead, Cody, with the fade. What do you, what do you, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that fade route late in the game? Well, for me, it's it's such a low percentage success rate on fade routes in general, especially when you don't have that Mike Williams, you don't have C.D. Lamb, you don't have these guys, Jamar Chase, they can go up and get the ball and make the plays. And Joker made one this year, phenomenal play, great play. But you don't have that guy that can go up and do that. And to call that on fourth and four, I believe this is the situation. All the play calls you have at your disposal, this is the one you go with. I, I don't like that. Granted, backtrack a little bit. He should have made the play. Did, I mean, it was there for the taking. He, guys, DPJ should have made the play. Guys, did it look like Deshaun Watson called that play to DPJ before the snap? I don't know. I, I, I didn't go back and watch. I don't know if you watched it, Fred. I don't know if you saw it. They showed it on TV. Deshaun Watson, before the snap, looked right down at DPJ and communicated something to him. He was talking directly to him right before that snap. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if that was the play call. We had, or, but we had was, a face mask touch. That was ours. Face mask touch was a fade. You changed your route to a fade if he had a face mask touch. And if, if, he, uh, if he touched his hips, it was a hitch. You know, if he went like this across his chest, it was a slant. So, I mean, maybe he gave him that call. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna... Steal third. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Okay. <laughs> so, Fred, I do want to talk about one of the bright spots. You brought it up. Cody, Fred, I want to send it over to you. I want to talk about a bright spot. There was a moment in time there. We talked about effort. We talked about playmaking. We talked about guys making big plays. There was a moment there where it kind of felt like, kind of felt like David Njoku said, enough is enough. And he went out and made plays. That touchdown drive that they had, Deshaun Watson's first touchdown pass of the season David Njoku made a couple of big, big plays on that drive. There were moments where guys had opportunities to tackle him, and he was shedding them like <laughs> nothing, like it was nothing. Uh, 
just talk about the bright spot that that has been David Njoku over the last couple of weeks and and how can the Browns get him <laughs> more and more involved uh, as as we kind of have concern about the other playmakers on the team. Well, I have been impressed with him. When he got the contract, I thought it was just being rewarded potential, but not really because he had done anything. And he has um, risen to the occasion. And he did in that drive. He was kind of a man possessed. And that's when you guys were talking about the fade. I'm thinking if you throw that ball, you just saw him go up and do a one-handed spectacular catch against the Buccaneers to send that game to overtime. He's your leaping. He has a much higher vertical than people's Jones. If you're going to do that. And I think he would, he would have got a better matchup than a, than the guy guarding people's Jones. So, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't have been in the mix there, but yeah, I've been impressed with him. I think that you have to treat him almost like a, a your second wide receiver especially if Cooper's dinged up, you know, maybe your first wide receiver, match him up outside with his speed and size and let him create mismatches. But I think he has really been, you know, a pleasant surprise. He has been dinged up and had trouble staying on the field this year. And, but as far as when he's played, he's been a playmaker and that's what they're paying him to be. (laughs) <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get to the other hot button topic uh, of the of the of the weekend, uh, and that brings us to the head coach. Uh, and for the first time, really in his entire career here, Kevin Stefanski has stepped foot into the hot seat Thunderdome. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but he was asked about it, uh, and so let's hear his response. Yeah, Kevin, just. Uh you know, in reading everything today and listening to everything, uh, you know, people seem to want to run you out of town today for uh, what happened on the fourth and one and some other things that uh, that went on in the game. So I always ask this to Joe Woods whenever people are coming after him, um, you know, just are you aware of that? How do you feel about it? And how what might you say about the job that that you're doing and did yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think all of that goes with the territory, Mary Kay, uh, as you can imagine. I kind of keep the focus on what I can control, uh, what's going on in our building, those type of things. So um, always looking for ways to improve, always looking for ways to put our guys in position to succeed. That, that's what I have to do. I don't love the way that question was phrased, but we won't, we won't dive into that. I don't, I don't love how that was asked, but, but here we are guys. Uh, we go from 2020 coach of the year in the NFL to 2022 and people are concerned about Kevin Stefanski and his coaching techniques and his play calling and his ability to handle all of the responsibilities of a head coach. You've seen it now. You've seen it on Twitter. You've heard other people talking about it. Guys, Fred, I'll start with you. Are you in a boat? Are you in the boat where you're starting to think about that? Are you in the boat where you're starting to think, uh, is, is Kevin Stefanski the right guy to get this done? Well, he came on <clears throat> during the COVID year. I know he's very meticulous. He's very organized. I know that not too much was known about him. And it just seemed like every movie made was golden as his first year. NFL coach of the year. You got to do something. You got the Browns off the schneid, got him the playoffs. I really thought, you know, everything was, he was handling the success, you know, with, with the same type of answers he gives us now. It's not so much about the answers, but it was adjustments. It just seemed like 
they were making the right moves and adjustments. And I don't know if, if the league's caught up or what, but since that first year, he's 13 and 17, you know, eight and nine and this year, five and eight. And uh, overall, he's only a little better than a 500 coach, 24 and 22. So I think the league has caught up to him somewhat. And what bothers me the most is I just don't see much. I don't mind him being the even keel, but I don't see any fire. I don't see any discipline with the team with 13th game and you're committing nine penalties and nobody seems to be getting, you know, benched or anything for a lack of good play. You, you mess up, you should be out. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I really think the four games really are going to go a long way. They may have said, you know, regardless, you got to, you got a mulligan because of the Watson thing. But I really think he has to show what he can do with Watson in the final four games. This is what you you debunked this whole season, basically, to and your future to get to this point. So what do you got? You know, show something, some explosiveness, and not just the same old plod, plod offense. I want to see some you know, Patrick Mahomes type offense. You got a guy who can do some things and maybe he's more of a runner, but do some things a little more explosive with the guy as we go forward here in the final four games. Cody, I'm going to send it over to you. Has Kevin Stefanski given you reason to think that Kevin Stefanski isn't the guy for this team? To say that he isn't? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, for me, it's something you've said before. It, it, it's it's he he's a proven track record with average to below average quarterbacks of running an effective offense with those guys with Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, running a top ten offense with them. And I'm not just talking about him as a play caller. I think he has the total package of everything you want. Something that Brian zero two one just said um, related to Stefanski is they need a DC with fire, someone who could be the Ying to Kevin's Yang, the Yang to Kevin's Ying. I, I love that. that. I love I this comment. I 1, love thousand percent on board with that. I I like my defensive coordinators to be the fireball. Greg the in your face. Yeah. Well, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I like the DC to be that guy. I don't like the head coach to be that guy. I know that some people doing that that football guy aggressive in your face type stuff. I like the way he carries himself as, as the even keeled, um, calm kind of guy. But no, I I think he's proven with. What has happened and transpired with this organization over the past couple of years, I think it'd be a lot for anybody to be successful when, when you look at all of the variables and all the factors that come into play. Last year, you have Baker, who's injured, still playing, playing at a career-low level, uh, tough to win games that way. Um, you have this offseason with the, the biggest PR issue maybe in the history of the NFL going down this season. You're trying to adjust to two separate offenses between two different quarterbacks. Um, so I think there's a lot going on. I think to fairly judge him, you have these four games, like Fred said, absolutely. And then you have to have a whole other season next year with the training camp, with the offseason preparation, with practices, with Watson getting acclimated to his teammates, his receivers and getting timing down with hopefully a new DC coming in. Uh, and bringing in a better scheme acclimated to the talent with better interior defenders coming in, um, with another receiver coming in. I think they'd be selling themselves short to move on from Kevin Stefanski right now. And that's my opinion. I'm not trying to be a 
Kevin Stefanski uh, bro or or a Kevin Stefanski truther or anything like that. Uh, I'm just trying to to stay objective and say that he, I think he deserves at least one more season and a full off season and a better defense uh, to kind of judge how he is as a head coach over a larger sample size. That's my opinion. I know Fred's got something to say. Go ahead, well, Fred. I'll say something here as far as I've always been a proponent until you got something better, you know, a better option, you don't move on. And I've said that about coaches in the past just to fire a guy to fire a guy we've seen that doesn't work. You know, they fired somebody and I think they've hired maybe their sixth, seventh choice because, Hey, you want to be a coach? Oh, okay. Hey, you want to be, Oh, okay. They sometimes tend to think everybody wants to coach the Browns and they, they don't end up getting who they thought they were going to get. So with that said, if you know, you have, and I don't even know who that guy is, is Sean Payton, that guy, somebody that, just seems to always make the right decision type guy. If you can get something like that, then maybe you do it, but you don't just fire him and say, okay, now we're going to do the all search and go around saying, Hey, you want to be the coach? Oh, you don't Cody. Hey, Mike, you want to be the coach? Hey, you know, and you end up <coughs> with Rob Chudzinski, you know, seven yeah, choice. Say, uh, midnight, midnight Mike Patton. with Chip Kelly. I miss you those know, days. So, <laughs> you know, I'm tired. I'm, reading. I'm tired of I remember reading like Chip Kelly was going to be hired after dinner or something. Like, oh, that was all yeah. on the Twitter. Like, he's coming to Cleveland. Uh, no, no, I'm going to go Philly. I'm going to go Coach Philly. And we're going to run this offense. No, I'm, I'm out. So outside of the frustrations that people have with his answers and press conferences, which I, that does not bother me in the slightest. This is who this guy is. If you think he's going to be the guy that just stands up there and just says, well, listen, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent with you. He's not. Just like 90% of other coaches, just like 90% of other coaches are not going to get up there and just be like, well, let's just lay it all out there and, and make you all feel good about this. Besides that. Kitchens. Yeah. Besides, well, and look how great that was. Uh, besides that, guys, what what's the one thing? Here's what I want to know. What's the one thing? Because I am a, I like Kevin Stefanski. I do. I like him. I like him as a head coach. I love the comment saying, let's get a fiery defensive coordinator to kind of offset the, the give us a little balance. Cause I do think Joe Woods kind of has that Kevin Stefanski mentality of just kind of, well, we'll look at the tape and figure it out. And I don't know that Joe Woods brings the fire that anybody's looking for. So I love that comment, but guys, what's the one thing real quickly. What's the one thing that you think Kevin Stefanski needs to be much better at. Managing oh, the game. You know, I think he's a good play caller. I mean, He's shown that in the past, but I think he's got too much on his plate um, because it's these game management decisions. They got other guys in his ear, but like we talked about the, the first down when Deshaun Watson, you know, he's more worried about the next, I got to make a call here. And he's got to be, if he's just managing and seeing, okay, wait a minute, let's challenge this or what's going on here. I just think <coughs> he's now the point that Alex Van Pelt can call the plays. He's he's in on every call. He hears everything. He did it in the Steeler playoff game. I, I don't know why you can't just, and you can veto it if you hear something you don't like. But worry about the defense and some of these other things, you know, instead of, instead of just what's the next play on my play sheet. Yeah, I, th I think you're right, Fred. I, th I think it's encapsulating the entirety of what a head coach is 
And it's tough to be a head coach slash play caller. I think we see it a lot more these days than we used to. That was just to be a kind of a, an off kilter, accepted to the rule type thing. Uh, and he is a good play caller. And you think maybe that's something that, I think that question came off this off season was if he was going to hand off the play calling duties to AVP. Uh, maybe that's something that happens next season. Uh, we'll see. Maybe he's just more comfortable doing it himself and wants to keep doing it. But the biggest growth things are definitely the game management and situational and also the discipline stuff, because that's their, that got out of hand um, this weekend with the penalties. I mean, granted, those were all a couple of ticky-tackies, but for the most part, I mean, they were penalties. Maybe you don't call them 100% of the time with, with the way that they, they were those plays were structured. Uh, but some of the discipline stuff, I think, comes come directly towards him, and that comes from him, and it goes to players and making sure that your leaders on this team, from Stefanski, tells his players, his Miles Garrett's, his Deshaun Watson's, his John Johnson's, whoever they are, uh, to make sure they're leading by example and he's setting an example that being undisciplined, taking plays off, committing dumb penalties, not doing your job, leaving the facility early, not watching extra film, whatever it is, isn't going to fly anymore um, because these guys are doing it by leading by example and he has to do the same thing. Uh, that, that would be my growth points for him uh, going forward. All right, boys, so we always uh, finish the Monday Rewind where we look back at the last game by looking forward to the next game and, and the weeks ahead. So let's talk about it. Technically speaking, the playoff chances are still alive. Technically, the 5-8 and eight Cleveland Browns have a uh, – their, their playoff chances went from 4% to 0.4% after this loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. They got four games coming up. You're going up against a Baltimore Ravens team Saturday, four o'clock in the at four twenty-five uh, this in the afternoon on Saturday uh, with who knows as the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, and then you've got the New Orleans Saints, the Washington Commanders, and the Pittsburgh Steelers to round out the year. So, guys, a are you, are you giving up on this? Is, is this year are we ready to say okay? Now it's time to look forward, and if so. What are we looking for the last four weeks of this season? What are the things we are looking for with Kevin Stefanski, with the offensive line, guys like Jed Wills who are getting crushed uh, and rightfully so, and obviously from Deshaun Watson. What are we looking for, Cody? Uh, for me, I think at this point we've kind of kind of hinted at it throughout this evening is that this rush game has always generated positive EPA one of the last five games. It's negative play generating. It's not doing what it needs to do for the reasons that we've spoke about this evening and previously. I'm ready to air it out, man. You want Watson in to get these prepared prepare for next year? You want him to be your guy? Give him the reps. Push the ball downfield. Uh, throw the ball the 40 to 45 times you want to and get that done uh, because, I mean, you're at 0.4% chance of making the playoffs. It's not going to happen unless you go undefeated and the Patriots and the Jets and the Chargers start to lose games. It's not going to happen. Um, for this week, I, th I think specific to this week, you can't lose to a team that's might be starting Anthony Brown at quarterback. Right. Too many times we've seen the Browns make Joe Flacco's, make um, Duck Hodges, make these uh, – who was the guy for Kansas City in the playoffs two years ago? Uh, was it Matt Castle? No, it was um... – Chase oh, Daniel. Chase Daniel. Chase yep. Daniel, making these guys look like Pro Bowl quarterbacks. So now my Stefanski point is that air the ball out. The run's not working. Still run the ball, but let's focus on the pass because yesterday you had a 22% higher success rate passing the ball early downs versus running the ball. 
Pass early downs. That's step one. Uh, defense. Bring the heat this week, man. If you're playing Anthony Brown, okay, might be down JOK. Freaking blitz. Just bring everything at the table. Go at him. Enough of this cover two, cover four, cover three. Or sorry, cover three, cover four stuff, sitting back, giving them six plays a yard, six yards of play. Enough of that. Come in hot and dominate them. Yeah, Amatora said Chad Henney. That's exactly who it was, not Chase Daniel. It um, was Chad Henney, wasn't it? It was Chad Henney. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I want to see on defense. I was uh, just looking just, that up. I was like, I think that's right. Actually. I said that as soon as I said it i i knew i was wrong. oh did you oh i didn't hear you yeah. so it, as, for soon, me, as soon as fred said it i was like well he's the legend so yeah that's who it is never, for me it's, it's, <laughs> i don't know it's, why i'm all about Daniel. i'm all about aggression on both sides of the ball i want to be aggressive your season is kaput 99.6 percent chance of the way you're kaput be aggressive on offense be aggressive on defense get the ball to njoku and, and just just go have fun man and see, see where it takes you especially if you're comfortable enough in your skin do you think you could be coming back with this job next year? One last point. Sorry, I'm rambling. Uh, if you're <laughs> Joe Woods, you're probably auditioning for another job at this point. So you need to be bringing it all these last four games and showing you you can do stunts, blitzes and stuff and not just sit and cover four and play soft zones. Why, well, you know, to, on that with Joe Woods, you know, what sealed his fate, I think, a while ago. But, you know, here's the case in point. If you would have told me the Bengals were going to be without Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, and they only had Jamar Chase, I'd probably, I have enough cornerbacks to double team, you know, Jamar Chase. And yet it looked like Denzel Ward was 15 yards off and they were just playing pitch and catch every play. He had 15 targets. And I'm like, that alone is enough for me to move on from Joe Woods. It's like you pay, you know, Ward a hundred million put him up on the line and lock him down. If he can't lock him down, then you get another guy with him to lock him down. You take him out of the game, you know, you don't let him beat you. So that said four games to go. Um, yeah. I think that you really have to, you got to show what you have. You're on audition. You're auditioning for the next season, because if you don't, play well in these four games, you're not going to attract any free agents unless you're just going to pay them double what everybody else will pay them. That's the only way you'll get them. You have to have guys saying, I want to come here because this is going to be a hot team on offense and get that wide receiver and get that offensive lineman you might need and get a couple key defensive players. You're not going to be able to draft them. So I just think that they have the chance to run the table. And I could see them winning the first three and somehow, some way, winning in Steeler Town will put you in the playoffs and they, they stumble over there. I've seen it so many times. But I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. You know, when the Chargers won last night, I thought that ended it because you needed, if the Chargers lost, the Patriots lost, you're only a game behind them with, you know, and, and things can yeah. happen. But right now, no. Uh, Cody, you said something, and all I could think about you said you talked about Joe Woods auditioning for his next job, and all I could think about was, man, what if he just coached like he was auditioning for the job he already had? Wouldn't that have been nice? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? But hopefully, listen, hopefully, again, this last four weeks, I think, uh, hopefully, what it does, if they say, listen, playoffs are a long shot, so we're not even going to really think about that. Instead, what we're going to think about is. Let's go out and open this thing up and let's start to see what we might be able to have with these guys. I think we could have a little bit of fun with these last four weeks of the season, whatever the result is. 
I think us as fans, us as people that talk about the team can have a little bit of fun with what we're seeing. Get us excited about Deshaun Watson. Get us excited for some of these guys coming out uh, that we can be excited for next year. And finish the year on a positive note and send yourself into an offseason on a positive note. And, and that stuff does matter. And that stuff does, that can play into, A, not just bringing guys here, Fred, but another thing is making sure guys that are here want to stay here. Because what I don't want to be hearing after a tough year like they're having is, I want to trade. I want to, I don't, I don't want to hear Nick Chubb coming. I don't think he's the guy that would do it. But I don't want to hear somebody coming out saying, I want out. Miles Garrett saying, I want out. Uh, so come out, play well. Uh, let the, let kind of the stress of expectations get past you and realize that there aren't really expectations at this point and go out there and play well and win some games. And I think it could set you up going forward. So guys, eight o'clock has rolled around. The Monday rewind is in the books. Again, talked a lot about the Browns lost to the Bengals and, uh, and they move on to play the Baltimore Ravens Saturday, 425, uh, in Baltimore. Right, it's in Baltimore. No, yeah, no, it's here. It's in Cleveland. Next it two in Cleveland. games are on Saturday right. in Cleveland. That's right, it's in Cleveland. So uh, we'll see exactly how they can come through with that one. Real quick, uh, I always like to on the Monday rewind get you set up for the week on the OBR tomorrow, Tuesday seven. It's a big night on the OBR tomorrow night. Tomorrow at seven p.m., Jake Burns has the film from this one. If you want to relive it, join Jake Burns for Chalk Talk as he will break it all down. Uh, he breaks it down uh, unlike anybody else. So make sure you're joining him. And then I'll do a little selfless promotion here because we've got a humongous show coming up on Garage Beers tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Cavaliers champion, Cavaliers legend, just all around good dude. Going to come on and have a couple drinks with us. Channing Fry is joining us on the Garage Beers podcast live tomorrow at 9 p.m. So join us, get in the comments, ask some questions of Channing. We'll bring you into the show. Uh, but do not miss Garage Beers at 9 p.m. Then Wednesday, Fred, you're back with Barry for OBR Weekly to get things ready and to kind of wrap things up from this week, get ready for next week, uh, and to take some questions from the viewers. And then, Cody, you're back on Thursday for the weekend kickoff with Andrew Spade, where you guys will get us all set for that Saturday game against the Baltimore Ravens. And then don't miss it. It is Saturday, 425. So before the game, we'll have the kickoff, the pregame show. After the game, we'll have the postgame show and so much more. So listen, it's been a great show. I've had a great time talking about this one with you guys. For Fred Greetham, find him online at Fred Greetham 9. For Cody Sook, find him him online at Cody Sook. I'm Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers. Mike, go follow the OBR at the OBR everywhere. We will see you next week for another edition of the Monday Rewind. Uh, thanks. Cheers, everybody. And go Browns. Good Thank you. Merry Christmas.